So on this episode, we talk about a cruise ship mishap that had a tragic ending, a left for dead punk rocker uh, with a left for live punk rocker, our co-host, Black right. Dahlia, who is going to join us as a guest host. Absolutely. I'm here and I'm ready. And then we talk about a sugar baby killed by her sugar daddy. So listen and enjoy. It's been a while. It's been too long, Doug. I can't even remember the last Vomiting Rainbows you were on. That's right. I, it, it was over a year ago. I know that. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. We did have a hiatus for a bit. We had a hiatus. So this is episode number 54. This is a darker news podcast where my t- I tell my co-host, Blag, Blag Dahlia, badass cat owner. <laughs> Absolutely. Rita and Rollo are out there listening. Uh, singer of the punk band The Dwarves. Rock legends in the place to be. Rock legends who also just had a show. We just did the Burger Boogaloo here in, in Oakland, uh, which, you know, the great John Waters is the MC. So yes. you feel you got to feel pretty cool there. <laughs> got some photos. Got some photos, had some nudity. It was wild. And the Dead Boys played, which was a great influence on me from when I was a kid. So it was it was great. It was a really, really fun night. Triumphant night. Triumphant. Uh, and then you're also an author. I am an author. Wrote a couple books, and I I uh, uh, I wrote the follow up to my book Nina, uh, which is just about done now, and it I think it's going to come out about this time next year. It's called Highland Falls. Okay. It's sort of like you know, I love those suburban gothy chicks I grew up with. So right. So this was one of them really gone bad, you know. It, it reminds me of like one of those L.A. story, uh, like Highway 50, whatever. What was that? Uh, Dark Highway or... Oh, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... I, I call it transgressive humor, you know? Okay. It's, it's nasty. It's kind of too nasty for most people. And then for people who want something really nasty, it's a little too funny and light, you know? So it's kind of where, where I'm stuck, you know? It's like, I just, I can't get too heavy with things, but I can't get too nice either, you know? So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you some stories in case people haven't listened to the podcast before. You have never heard them before, and then you're going to chew them up and spit them out in a beautiful rainbow. Yeah, so, that's that's your thing, the no yeah. prep thing. You the just no leave prep. me to, to deal with whatever's coming at me. And so one of the first things we're going to talk about is a uh, Indiana couple who went on a cruise. Okay. They took their, their grandfather with them. Uh they uh why would you do that honey you know let's go on this great romantic cruise and and we'll take grandpa with well the reason why you want to bring grandpa is because they also brought uh their daughter their daughter uh their son and their daughter is 18 months old ah so someone had to look after her i see did you hear about this cruise at all okay great uh so they went up to the cruise they were in this like little pool play area thing on the top of the boat it's a royal caribbean there in i think cabo or puerto rico no not puerto rico uh, cabo i think i'm not sure anyway they were there they were still at the dock they're playing in the play area getting ready to to embark on a journey um when they look over at the grandfather and the grandfather's freaking out uh apparently what had happened is the little girl, the 18-month, reached up and wanted to look over the railing. He held her on the railing 
and then thought she was going to put her hands on the glass. But apparently there was a window open and she fell 11 stories to her death. Oh, man. Right. It's like Eric Clapton's kid, you know, and he Is that what ran I, oh. in the room. Yeah. And just went right out the window. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that was a huge story back, you know, but it was probably. I mean, I knew ago. I know Tears from Heaven yeah, is yeah. about that. But yeah, like yeah. what what happened? He, he came running in the room. It was it, it, his uh, wife was or his you know, the mother of the child was was uh, staying with a friend on the 11th floor in a building in New York. Wow, weird and, that it's both 11 floors. Yeah, and <laughs> and they and uh, I guess the usually the windows were closed, but the janitor had been in there washing the windows on both sides. He left a window open, so the kid rushed in, was all happy, and just jumped jumped right out the window. Apparently, you know. Yeah, but it would think you would think like they would he would have to jump like a window open. It would have like a floor level window. Is it like? You know who knows, but I, that's what happened. You know he he uh, he he just jumped out the window. I mean he was already like five years old or so. So if the if the thing was, you know, two three feet and then the window, he he would have so gone this, right out. This so this was if you can picture this, this is on the top deck of the cruise ship. Um, there's like a children's fun squirting water play right. area type thing, and um, so the there is windows kind of all around to keep i guess wind from blowing in but they open some of the windows so you can kind of see out and mm -hmm. the window is at an angle away from the from the railing so it looked to me like three feet away from the ra railing so you're not like laying on it or anything mm -hmm. like that um and then they open some of them so some of the air will circulate around so it's not just stale dead air as it's blowing over the cruise ship because it goes up like a couple more, like probably six more feet. So it's like six feet up. But basically she, there was an accident. She fell. Right. But the, the scenario is, is that now they're suing the cruise line for negligence and putting a window in a child's play area, which, I mean, you, you have to get the child over the railing. And you have to help them over the railing. And then you would have to put them in that situation where the window is open. And it's very clear, like, the window, they're tinted. So when it's open, you can see. It's. I mean, I guess the underlying question here has less to do with, like, the specifics of this case and more to do with, like, do we live in too litigious a society where people are constantly suing? Well... You know what I mean? Because people are like, they want, you know, life is unfair and horrible things happen and you want to be, get some compensation, you know? So the people, uh, the family is probably like, this is horrible and this kid's dead and we, we want something. I mean, it's it, understandable, exactly. but do they really deserve something from that company per se is the question. And well, or is the, is the company actually liable or is it just a horribly, I, I think it's, horrible negligence on the grandfather's part who is holding her and then somehow decided that it would be okay to let her go and put her hands on a window. Like I would think if I had a child, even if they were going to a window, I'd be holding them because they're balancing on a railing right, right, just yeah. in general. I wouldn't just be like, let go and bang against the window, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I I think he his thing was she they are from Indianapolis they go like listen or they go watch hockey games all the time because their other their 
elder son plays hockey, and she loves to bang on the glass when he watches hockey. Right, right. So they have pictures of her banging on the glass. And I'm like, well, yeah, but that's a hockey match. And the glass is meant to be, you, you bang on it. Also, it's stationary and on the floor. She's not being lifted up and put over onto it. So it just seems to me is like, why would you put your child in or on a window without checking it first? I mean, one of the few things that I agree with conservatives on is that we're too litigious a society. There's too much grounds to sue anybody and everybody when things go wrong in your life. And what it does is it makes real suits that are really legitimate seem less legitimate because what you what you wind up with, you know, and you see this in every area of life. I mean, there'll be some, you know, like there'll be a police shooting. And instead of us asking the real reasonable question, which is, hey, you know, was this justified? Should this person's life have been taken? It winds up coming down to kind of a horse trade you know it's like well you know the family got a million bucks and probably you know there's some people in the family that were kind of happy to get that million bucks and other people where that million bucks will never ever take the place of that person's life you know so it's very like it it it, it, it opens up a very interesting can of worms, you know, because I think the reason conservatives are so against the litigious society is because it's kind of the only way you can get back at the corporate state. You know, the corporate state fucks you over and so you have to sue right. or, the, or the government that represents all of us has to sue. And that really pisses off conservatives. You know, right. any, anything that can cost the corporate state anything and give people any power they don't like. But then, you know, it opens this Pandora's box of like you know the the you know such a litigious society where it's like uh, you know something basically went wrong for you sue you right know? and that and that's so that was the other thing that the other kind of question that i had out of this is like is it doesn't appear to be the cruise ship's fault in in my mind uh yeah probably bad planning watch out ben is at your feet ah, this little kidding we have a this we bangle. have our our guest who's always here ben <laughs> um the bangle but uh, yeah, so I, I don't think they're at liability for having a, a, a window in a play area to ventilate the play area. I think that's okay. Um, but I don't think they should be sued for that. If anything, they would. I would think they would just sh- shut those windows in the future and not allow them to be opened because of this tragedy. Um, but then the last question, which I think is more just because I have a dark, dark mind but you don't have to apologize with me i know so (laughs) do do you think the the ship went on a cruise after that do you think (laughs) what do you you think happened because was was it as fun up on the lido deck after the kid died yeah that's pretty interesting i'm i'm like i did did they cancel the cruise like what i i really want to know like where where it went after that because like if you like you're some middle america person who like like spent, me, for instance. Right. But like you, you've saved up all this money to go on this cruise and then this tragedy happens. But really, yeah, I'm sure they did the cruise because that would have opened them up to so much liability oh. that they, there's no way. I mean, there's there's thousands of people on that stuff and a bunch of employees that need to get paid. So I imagine they went and did the cruise and uh, it was probably pretty dismal for the Oh, you're talking about the, did the parents and the and the Oh no, no. <laughs> they I, probably didn't go I'm on the cruise. Guessing, no, I'm guessing. No, I'm sure they didn't go on the cruise. But it just I'm, wouldn't have been as fun playing shuffleboard, you know. No, 
no, corpse I don't, I don't. of your daughter. Like, oh, no, I, I, th- I think they definitely did not continue on the cruise. But yeah, so. in a happy postscript, they <laughs> so they had a great time on the cruise. So that was that was my start off. Was you know I figured we'd start light, right? That's and pretty then, light for you. Yeah, and then and then really what I wanted to jump into next was something that was more in your wheelhouse, okay. uh, being in a band, uh, especially being in a band that you know uh, finding any any band, no matter how big or small, finding a practice space is a challenge, and it's usually in a seedier part of town. Mm-hmm. Like it's never in. You're never going like, oh, I'm going to go to the financial district to my uh, studio space. Yeah. I mean, it's rock and roll traditionally is kind of a suburban thing and people do it in the basement or the garage. And so when you're when you move to the city and you got your thing, it's always real tight to try and find a space. And uh, and now that prices are out of control, it's really hard on bands. Yeah. You usually got to go way out to the the hinterlands of town to find a space and everything's piled on each other and people are sharing it five bands in there and whatever. Yeah. It's usually like some sort of storage unit that like got converted. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Very like box like. Yeah. Um, So there's this guy, he's 48 years old. His name is Patrick uh, McCabe and he was in the band called the night enders which you didn't know, but they're like a punk rock band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was coming back from a studio. That doesn't mean they're not good. I, I just, I, I was so, I used to know every band, right. you know, and then you kind of get jaded and it's like, you just don't know anymore. You know what I mean? But I, I haven't heard these cats, but. Uh, so do you know Mac McGarvey? Matt McCarvey. Mac. Mac McCarvey. No. What's uh, okay? So he is the owner of two things. He's the owner of the Doll Hut Studios and the Doll Hut. Oh, in Anaheim. Yeah, I know the Doll Hut. Yeah. So there's. I parent- probably know the guy, but I just I'm bad with names and things. But I certainly know the Doll Hut. It's a, a notorious uh, punk bar. Punk bar for a tiny little spot in Anaheim, and a lot of great great bands played there. So. Uh, Anyway, his studio was owned by that same guy. So I think it might have been called Doll Hut Studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was right, right around the corner in a cul-de-sac, probably walking to grab a car or something. Uh, and then he was beaten down, beaten the drummer of, this, of the Night Enders was beaten down on that street. And the, it's still an open case. I just thought it was fascinating that it just came up today when we decided to do the podcast. Uh, beaten up for his money, like somebody was trying to take his money and beat him up, or was it like somebody that hated him beat him up? It's very unclear. They're not mm. sure, and the police are still investigating. They're actually asking people who know anything about this because wow, all they know is that he was beaten with a blunt or, or like a, a blunt object, but they don't. I'm always so sorry to hear about anybody in a band suffering because we just suffer from being in a band (laughs) exactly i mean i mean it's like it's such a tough gig and and they're always people are always busting into vans now and trying to steal everything in your van and just it's very like i'm telling you man it's like that weird thing the hip-hop guys call it project jealous right and it's like people who are jealous of you when you have almost nothing you know it's like all, all i own is a guitar but you hate me for it or or you know i got 30 people to come see me in this club and you hate me for it you know so there's it's always tough you know to just to be in a band and try and do anything you know what i mean so uh in 2011 uh this dude said about the uh dollhouse he said uh i see us climbing up the pop charts uh and then we date 
uh, Ryan Seacrest converting Lindsay Lohan to lesbianism, being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by Charles Nelson Riley, and then <laughs> and then maybe we get a gig at the Doll Hut. <laughs> yeah, that was you uh, in the OC Weekly in uh, 2011. I said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you like looked that up on I the did. internet. You're like I the did. internet guy. You find some connection to me and the doll. I like, did. I so. was laughing at my own joke. That yes. sounds funny. Yeah. So uh, that was, you were playing the galaxy theater in Santa Ana, but you were really hoping to get to the doll. Hut. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something I'd say. So did you, did you ever play the doll? Hut? We never played the doll hut. I, but I do think I played their acoustic once many years ago in some weird bill, but it, it, I, the doll hut kind of comes and goes. It disappears sometimes. I don't think it's around now. And yeah, I guess a lot of people head to what used to be the Galaxy and is now the observatory there okay. in, in, in Orange County. You know, clubs kind of come and go out there a lot um, because, you it's know. Anaheim? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in Orange County in general, they, they I give them this, Doug. You know, other cities like San Francisco, for instance, you know, like. They got sick of punk 20 years ago, yeah. 30 years ago. They don't give a fuck about it. Orange County remains like they love their punk rock out there. You know what I mean? I go, I go out there and some people actually know me. I walk around San Francisco and it's like, oh, you know, you're not a transgender DJ. I've, I never heard of you. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, dude. You know, um, they just uh, punk rock will always be a basic part of Orange County lore, you know, and the, and the Mexican people who who proliferate there now love it too so it didn't go away like mexicans and latinos in general really support rock and roll and love yeah. punk rock and so it, a lot of times when the demographics of a place changes then something like that will really change but it's uh you know you go to punk shows in orange county and you know it's just a bunch of bunch of the old school toothless white guys and a bunch of Latinos, you know, like people which, are together on this, yes. which is great. You know, it's like, that's what you want. You know? but, yeah. Well, and the other thing is then every once in a while, you'll see like another punk rock band come up out of nowhere. Like it all, they're still, uh, recreating that whole scene that's yeah. like coming up. And every once in a while, you'll see like it almost come back to the mainstream. It just like, hinders, right. it's, it's like right on the edge. Um, so we'll move on from that. Just wanted to. I hope this guy, I hope they find who did it and they, he gets some justice and he gets fixed up. I hope he didn't get but hurt too bad, man. The, well, unfortunately he did. Wow. He was, yeah. he was killed. He was killed? Yeah. So he passed away. Holy shit. Do we wow, do, we mostly terrible. do murders on this. Thing. Right. Yeah. I should have known. When true crime. Sure he got, he true, got true dark crime. Wow. Some, sometimes. What's the name of the band again? Uh, it was called uh, Night Enders. Night Enders. Well, that, K, that'll end your K, night yeah. getting killed right there. Yeah. K wow. and I. That's horrible. Yeah. So uh, that was pretty sad. They were really beloved in the area. Johnny Spade was their lead guitarist. Minnie Green uh, was their lead singer. And they said that uh, um, David McCabe, who was unfortunately the one who was attacked, said they said he was the heart of the band and big in the community. So Wow. Yeah. It was unfortunate. And another unfortunate story, which you're, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this, but uh, on on uh, June 17th, uh, with uh, this girl, uh, Mackenzie Loeck, I don't know if you heard, she was in Salt Lake City, um, and she landed in an airport after a family funeral. 
in Southern California. So she's just coming back into town to go back to college. Um, uh, she then grabbed a lift and went to this place called Hatch Park. So she got like a red eye. So she got in at 2.30 and ended up at the park around 3 a.m. And the lift driver dropped her off. And that's when it kind of became big news because she just disappeared from there. Hmm. Um, and they were looking for her for quite some time. Her family was pleading with her. And then started to look really quickly like one of those uh, bad lift driver type scenarios. Like she disappeared. But the lift driver was very helpful with the police. And they're like, we don't think this person did anything mm-hmm. that's like even shady. Um why would you get dropped at the park at 3 a.m.? You think you get dropped at your crib, but maybe she was looking for some. So this is um, some this and that. I don't. So, I don't want to so, cast aspersions on her. I don't. Know. I, I like where you're going with it. So she met an individual in a vehicle. So the Lyft driver dropped her off, and then just like was checking to make sure she was like okay. Um, she went and met a, a another guy in a vehicle, mm-hmm. and that guy left with her. Um, and so. Phone records show that she was talking to a guy named uh, Ajay. Um, And she had been talking to him for like a day or two prior. And they had been planning to meet up. And they decided, I guess, the park was the place to meet at 3 (laughs) a.m. So after that... Um, I mean, basically, this is coming down to sex and or drugs or, you know, there's oh, there could be some other explanation. But there, there's going to be a twist on this that <laughs> okay. you're probably not going to see. But, <laughs> okay. but it is in the genre that you're thinking. Um, so um, they found uh, um, Mackenzie's body in a wooded area in a shallow grave charred with brush all over it. So she was killed near in this area called Logan Canyon, which I'm not familiar with. Her arms were bound with uh, zip ties and rope. And uh, part of her scalp was missing, which was really weird. Um, and uh, phone records then determined that this guy, Ajay, was also in Logan Canyon on the day that she went missing. So um, now they're pretty much sure that it's this guy Ajay. Right. So they go uh, and start searching his home. Uh, and uh, his home on the 26th, uh, they found a pit that looked like he was trying to burn something. And then they found part of that scalp and bone in that pit. Uh, and it matched Mackenzie. Um, so he, uh, they also found uh, some of her personal items there. So it is clearly this guy. Um, so what do you think she was doing meeting this guy, Ajay, at a park at 3 a.m. after going to Southern California, which, by the way, was for her grandmother's funeral? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, that's exactly the kind of event that'll make you go, oh, God, as soon as I get back to town, I'm going to get fucking high. I've been mm-hmm. sitting here with my parents. Everybody's depressed. My grandma died, and everybody's bummed, and let's just do that. It could be that. It could be that these two had an affair or knew each other in some incidental way. But, you know, yeah, there's really no reason to meet up in the middle of the night unless it's probably a drug thing. Do they do a toxicology Well, test? so so this is the other thing, is this is where uh, a whole area 
gets into which they call um, victim shaming or victim blaming, which I don't care whatever you decide to do. If I decide to meet you in a park, which, you know, at 3 a.m., sometimes I like to do. Right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We're We're always meeting in the park at at, 3 a.m. At 3 a.m. But for whatever reason, and you decide to kill me. Right. It's not my fault for meeting. Well, it probably is my fault for meeting you in the park, but <laughs> in general, it's it. That's... You bring up an interesting thing because uh, it, it, these things intersect, right? I mean, of course, we shouldn't shame people for whoever they slept with, whoever they hung out with, or whatever you know, even for whatever drugs they do if they're not hurting anybody but themselves. And in my opinion. At the same time, you want to get to the bottom of the facts of things, and I think you have a right to ask basic questions. I mean, it, this comes up a lot when there's like a, a rape accusation yeah. or, a, or a molestation a- accusation or whatever. I think it's legitimate to ask, what was the behavior of the victim like, right? Because if the behavior of the victim was, well, she was a prostitute, she would sleep with five to ten guys a night, she walked around the streets soliciting people, it doesn't mean she deserved to be raped, but it means, oh, okay, now we can get a little clearer picture of how this event happened right. and, and, and why, you know, if you're going to come into contact with that many people, it, it becomes much more likely that something like that's going to happen. Again, doesn't mean she deserved it, doesn't mean it shouldn't happen, but those facts should come out because what happens is people, people will then draw these conclusions, you know, Look, there was this rape. We live in this rape culture. Everybody's so fucked up. It's like, well, no, you know, this, you know, it, 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 the question is like, you know, how, how are we going to get to what our society's really like if we just label it as like, oh, it's a horrible place where all these horrible things happen? Or if we realize, hey, man, you know, there's certain behaviors that are going to make it a lot more likely that this kind of thing is going to happen. So this guy was an extremely bad dude. Um, Here's, Talk a, a little bit about some of the things that he had done. Uh, but first, what McKinsey was doing there was uh, she had been advertising on dating apps as a girl looking for a sugar daddy, and she wanted to be the sugar baby in the relationship. Ah. <laughs> so she was actually on a private Facebook forum on how to establish and maintain these relationships. So doesn't mean she deserves to be murdered, but again, yeah, that that's where you say like, well, okay, so you put yourself out there and this guy knew, you know, so you can make yourself a victim if you go out there and you kind of make a play like that, right? right? Because it's the exactly the kind of thing that would infuriate a real misogynist kind of a person who would say, you know, oh, yeah, I'll show this girl what I mean by being a sugar daddy. I mean, it's a horrible, horrible thing and you certainly didn't deserve it, but you know, it, it's a kind of a warning, you know, do you well, really want to get involved with this where you put it out there like, hey, I'm a little greedy and I want some guy to pay all my bills. You know, it's like I, I wouldn't put it out there. You know? And and I think the police department were doing a, um, a very good job of investigating this crime and not they knew that that was the relationship that they were having. And they said uh, that they did not want to disclose the uh, anything about the text until the trial because they did not want that to get out and obviously prejudice people against her or, or taint the jury. Yep. Um, and so a uh, little running theory is that much like you, you said, which is uh, he uh, wanted maybe her to be more than just after him for money. She rejected him. 
he has, as we'll find out, major anger issues. And so we'll talk a little <laughs> bit about him. Yeah, but he probably. So she, had they ever hung out before this? No, they had never hung out. So she had her first meeting with this guy at a park at three a.m. I mean, that's just bad strategy. That's bad strategy. You know, you got to go. Okay, man, our first meeting is going to be in a public place for dinner, and I'm going to check you out, and there's going to be other people around. And we'll, Absolutely. You know, I mean, say, well, just, yeah, the first time we're going to hang out is at a park at three a.m. I think you, know, you kind of get blinded by greed sometimes, and you that's. I think that's always the strategy with anyone, male or female, on a dating app. You should be meeting people in a public place that you meet on an app that you have no idea. You like you have no idea if they're even going to be what they say they are in the picture. Nonetheless, what gender they say they are, like you, it could be anything that comes. Now I'm curious about this, Doug, because uh-huh. you are a little bit younger than me. Mm-hmm. I've never been on a dating app. I'm superstitious about it. It kind of came up when I was old enough and, and I never, I've never done it. Have right. you ever been on a dating app? Oh, I absolutely have. You have, because like I have a roommate that's just cleaning up on these things. Like that seems to be the way that people meet now. And it's almost considered creepy. If you just approach somebody and try and be human and talk to them, it's more like, no, I need to meet you online in order for this to be legitimate. I, I think it's a very weird time to try and date if you don't do that stuff. I think that it became very popular for a period of time. And now people like to meet more organically than like on an app. I think apps tend to be now more straight hookup, kind of more in the hookup. Like you really have to like be very clear that you're not just hooking up if you're looking for something serious. I see. And so people prefer to meet people in person for like a serious relationship. I know a few like younger people where it was like, they told me, yeah, we met on a hookup app. So we knew we were attracted and then we wound up dating and I like, I like him, you know, that, that kind of shit, which I thought was interesting. Like, right. Cause, cause the whole idea of a dating app, you know, you fill out a hundred questions, you're looking for somebody to get married to. It just seems so freighted with expectation from the beginning. But if you just do a hookup and then you wind up liking the person, it's like, Oh cool. This worked out. You know what I mean? Like uh, that's almost more organic. It feels like, you know, like to, to, instead of it being like, you know, we're looking for each other on like something like, you know, Christian mingle or something right. it's like we, you know, I want to get married. Well, I want to get married too. You know I mean? It's like shit, you know, but if you just do the hookup and it works, it's like, yeah. yeah. But anyway, we've gotten off the subject. Well, here, so. so let's get get back to uh, um, Ajay. So one of the things that was very clear about Ajay was that he had worked as a model before. So he was, like, he was actually extremely good looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had a model agency in Salt Lake, which he he had gone to a casting with them. And they were like, he is exactly what he said he was, but he gave me the one girl said he came to a couple of our castings and he started giving me a bad vibe. So I started not inviting him back anymore because it just made me uncomfortable. And she was like, I'm really glad what I went with those. How old is this guy? Uh, good question. How old is she? Uh, these are both, she was 23. He was like, I want to say 30. So that's not even a sugar daddy. Sugar no. daddy's a dude like me, ladies. Come yeah. on. Oh, an old guy with some cash. Call me, you know? Yeah. and um, <laughs> Some kid is not your sugar daddy. He's going to be a kook. But, so he did work <laughs> as a model, but uh, he had also 
on Amazon, he has a self-published book that he wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is called, shoot. Um, I have an ex- ex- excerpt from the book. You'd have to go look up the name, but it's about a gruesome murder. Damn. So, so it's fiction or or maybe maybe it's fact. God, but um, one of the things in it is he basically says, uh, I, I'll read a little excerpt from it. Um, Ezekiel was almost 15 when he witnessed a gruesome murder. An angry mob burned his neighbor alive. Oh, he's also from Nigeria. And so he he's writing about something real that he experienced. He actually writes this, that he escaped a violent and dangerous area. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said, sadly, it was the last night, la- not last. It was the last time he re- witnessed such a horror, uh, with well respected, with a well-respected father guide and mentor, Ezekiel saw his death, then a death much closer to home, uh, saw this death and a death much closer to home when a loved one was killed in the same brutal, terrifying way, 50 feet from him. He could do nothing to stop it. Staggering to recover from these traumas. He finds a belief and joy in meeting his first true love. Uh, he becomes embroiled in grand theft and other heartbreaking betrayals and experiences. Ezekiel must decide if he will join the ranks of, the, of a criminal mastermind or fight in a way to escape the tyranny that surrounded his young life. Even though they beat him at their, uh, or beat them at their own game, uh, will he trust uh, will his trust be lost, or can he even trust himself? So that's like the, about the book. I'm more interested in the fact that he's he's from another country and was traumatized. You know, this boy. You want to talk about a third rail of conversation mm. that will just shut people down, especially in San Francisco. If you try and have any kind of a reasonable discussion about immigration, uh-huh. we're, we're so split as a country, and it's become such a racialized idea, and. This particular part of it to me is really fascinating because I'm always conscious of it when people have to kind of practice double think. They have to think two different things at the same time in order to have their have their political position. Right. Right. So so what I'm getting a lot on the left now and I consider myself to be left wing, a progressive and everything. But when you when you talk to people about this immigration, it's fascinating because on the one hand, they will say, look. These people who come here looking for asylum, you know, they're being beaten back home. They're they're having they're having people threaten and kill them. They're they're living through rapes and domestic violence. They're they're coming from a society that so traumatizes them that they have to come here, right? Right. And so if you believe that, then you should probably also believe that they've suffered some PS PTSD and they've got real mental problems and, and things that they're confronting. Right. But but then, you know, they suddenly turn around and say, so we should welcome all of them into our country and have as many of them as possible right. because, you know, we got to do the right thing. And they, they've been through such a terrible thing that we need to just welcome them into our country and everything. And it's like, look, man, I, I want to have a big heart and be kind to people. But are we just going to ignore that these people are like refugees from war torn countries and they've gone through you know, rape and, and murder or they, you know, they come from places like, you know, Honduras or Guatemala where street gangs run rampant and rape isn't prosecuted and all these horrible things happen. It's like, come on, man, you can't have it both ways. Right. It, it can't be okay. You know, they, they should be allowed to come here because of these horrible places they come from. And, oh, incidentally, you know, 
don't paint these places they come from as these horrible things like Trump and those people do. Right. But it's like, well, look, man, you can't have it both ways. If, if it's horrible there and that's why they need to come here, then the places they come from are, in fact, horrible. And we have to look at that, you and, know. And then we'll then we'll talk on a whole nother episode about mental health and like getting them and and also our own citizens who have PTSD, the help that they deserve from that whole Reagan era of abolishing the mental health system. But I remember whole, that firsthand because my mom during the Reagan era worked at the VA. Yeah. And I remember her coming home crying saying, you know, I see all these vets I used to work with and they're on the street. Yep. So that, yeah, that is a whole conversation. That is a, a bigger but, issue. Uh, but I'm fascinated by this guy. Cause you know, he's online, he's a predator and it's like, Hey man, we got enough crazy predators here. Did we need to import one? I maybe not, you know? So, uh, he worked, he said that he was a, uh, had done military service and worked in like special forces. Uh, but unfortunately he did not. And he was actually dis- discharged from the army national guard, uh, because he had touted his military service online. That was untrue. Wow. Uh, yeah. You can't get away with that. They don't like that. Man. He was actually a computer support specialist. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he also used his house as an Airbnb for guests, um, and he tried to have a guy, a contractor, who came and said he this was the weirdest request. He actually came forward after this event occurred and said, I knew that guy was no good, and he didn't want to build this. The guy wanted him to build a soundproof room with four hooks on the wall that could hold 100 pounds or more. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this guy was, <laughs> this, this guy was up to no good. Um, you would think that he might be at least in some sort of, um, under the watchful eye of the government at some point because he slashed his ex wife with a butcher knife and threatened to kidnap her. Um, she went into hiding and changed her cell phone because of his violent outbursts. Wow. Um, he was also previously uh, evicted from his former living quarters for reasons that were undescribed, but around that same time, he was being investigated for a rape complaint. Yeah, this sounds like a bad cat. And it, was, I mean, you don't want to victim shame, of course, um, but I have to get back to like, you know, this is where sort of morality is a, a tricky mistress, right? Because being greedy is a bad thing and certainly being greedy doesn't mean that you deserve to be raped or murdered in any any way but it does mean that you know when you give in to your own greed and say you know i'd i'd you know that this is what i'd like to do and it's essentially just sort of greed and sloth right i i don't want to work i want to sit here and i want i want to live off your money because i'm cute and i'm just going to sit here it's like that's a fundamentally bad thing. Now, I'll say for the 10th time, she didn't deserve what happened to her, but but it's like, you know, what's the happiest ending that happens? Some sucker guy gets her and gives her a bunch of money for just sitting there not loving him and just being young. Well, I mean, the, it's a it's a it's it's kind of shitty from the from the jump, you know. It, uh, it's 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 what I uh, I I think of um it's kind of the way I think of like uh strip clubs. They're just sad, sad places, um, and it's it's not happy. I don't think it's really happy for anyone, but 
Uh, it's the only place in town where you're not going to get laid. So it's like, why would you go there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I've always wondered. It's like, I'll, I'll be in a city and people are like, hey, man, let's go to the strip club. I'm like, so I'm going to go to the one place where everybody thinks I'm a sucker and they're trying to take all my money. And, right. w- and what, if one of them is actually a prostitute, I could pay to have sex with her? Is that the joy here? And, I mean, and it just so seems horrible. The sugar daddy, sugar baby relationship is a, like... People try and say, like, I just want to be taken care of and I don't want to, to work. But no, really what you're doing is you're paying someone to have some sort of relationship with you or adoration for you. Maybe it's not sexual, but it tends to lead or assume that there's going to be more of a relationship there. And what good comes out of not having some sort of your own like a little bit of the courting system in general is so that you can avoid people like this so that you don't end up like not getting to know that this guy has a flash temper and if you something happens i mean i think you and me both probably are not morally offended by what the woman does it's like that's fine I, i have no moral stance against what she's doing i'm not morally against prostitution right but i don't think that a society based on prostitution would be a good one. You know, I think love is better than prostitution. And I think, you know, it's, uh, again, you know, some, some people are in a really bad way, man. They're either physically or mentally, they couldn't really sustain a relationship or nobody be interested. I'm, I'm glad there's someone there to relieve them sexually. I don't like, I don't, I don't have a moral stance about this, but it's just like, you know, the more dehumanized everything becomes, the worse our society becomes. And this is a dehumanizing thing to either be the sugar daddy or the sugar girl, the baby, whatever it is. You right. Know? I mean, and, and it's it's it dehumanizes both parties, you know. Right. So anyway, uh, that's the end of our podcast. Uh, and I would say kind of a noteworthy ending is for all future sugar babies i say at least do a background check on your sugar daddy yeah. before uh or meet him in a public yeah, place meet him in public a couple times make sure it's all legit make sure he's actually got the money he's talking about <laughs> exactly um and then thanks for listening uh we always welcome your comments and ideas uh contact us at contact at vomitingrainbows.com or find us on all social media at We Vomit Rainbows. Uh, listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever app that you like to to use. And then please uh, rate us and help us grow. Yeah, and don't forget thedwarves.com. Absolutely.